This is Key the Mic, a podcast on the leading edge of fire service innovation. I'm your host, Inanna Hinky. Join me as we unpack today's emerging issues and the minds and tools at work to solve them. We got to deprogram people to realize that, you know, the foods that you love, they don't love you back. Not for one second. Rip Esselstyn is a pioneer for the advancement of plant-based eating. He's a world-renowned triathlete, best-selling author, and former firefighter, all of which has been powered by a plant-strong lifestyle. Today, Rip joins us to talk about his plant-based journey and the life-saving benefits that it can have for first responders. Rip, we're so honored to have you join us today. Welcome to Key the Mic. Thank you. It is absolutely my pleasure. So let's start at the beginning. The story of Plant Strong really has its origins with your father, Dr. Caldwell Esselstyn, and his research regarding the effects of plant-based on combating heart disease. So tell us a little bit about your father's work and his influence on you. Yeah, great question, because that's where it all started back in 1984. So my father was at the Cleveland Clinic. He was head of the breast cancer task force there. He was a general surgeon specializing in the thyroid, parathyroid, and breast cancer And so in 1984, he was like, you know, I want to try and put an end to breast cancer. I'll probably have a hard time showing that you can do this in my lifetime. But he read some information about cultures on the planet that didn't have breast cancer, that didn't have heart disease, that didn't have type 2 diabetes, that didn't have weight issues. And so he started diving into the epidemiological kind of research and discovered that the one common element is that almost all these cultures were eating a primarily plant-based diet. And so in 1984, he decided that he would ask the world-renowned cardiology department at the Cleveland Clinic to send him their worst patients that had no alternative but to do something as drastic as change what they put in their mouth because they um, were really they had what's called end-stage heart disease. They were given most of them less than a year to live. They were not candidates for another bypass operation or angioplasty or anything like that. And so at the end of a year and a half, he had almost 22 patients. And they met with him every other week for five years. And he would go over their food log. He'd draw their cholesterol, blood pressure, weigh them in. And they met with him, nobody else. And at the end of five years, they were all not only still alive, but they were thriving. And then they were alive at 10 years and 15 years and 20 years. And when they started dying in their 90s, they weren't dying of cancer and they weren't dying of heart disease. They were dying of, you know, basically other other ailments. And my father's been written up in over seven different peer-reviewed papers. He has found something that works. And it's something as drastically simple as just staying away from burgers and chicken and fish and processed refined foods and dairy products and gravitating towards whole plant-based foods as close to grown as possible that are minimally processed, that have all the good and none of the bad and have the remarkable capacity to not only halt, but also reverse for example, heart disease. And, and it's, he's got the before and after angiographic evidence that actually shows you can metabolize away these plaque formations that we're laying down as early as age four, five, six, but we can start to metabolize these away, usually in the matter of a couple months, for sure, a couple, you know, a year or two. 
And that's really, really powerful stuff. It seems so accessible, plant-based food. And like, I think that the simplicity of it would appeal to so many people. At what age were you when your father, like his research was really starting to take fruition with his patients? Yeah. So he was able to first get his proof of concept that you could reverse the disease in 1987. So it was about three years later when he actually had confirmation. And so I was 20, I was 23. Okay. And so you weren't living at home at the time, and yet you were convinced by this and you had to try it out for yourself. Oh, I was completely convinced. So I, I wasn't like, oh, I don't want anything to do with this. And I want my burgers and my steaks and my chicken fried, uh, whatever, and my ice cream. I was like, this is cool. And I love the way my father is going against the status quo because he knows he's, he knows he's doing something that is truly going to help humanity. He has always been a, a, a truth seeker. And, you know, from a selfish standpoint, his father had his first heart attack at the age of 42. I had actually, uh, when I was 19, got tested for my total cholesterol, and I was in the uh, low 200s as a 19-year-old. And so I was not so arrogant and aloof to think that I was immune from, from this disease. So... Uh, I was I was on board completely as soon as I graduated from UT and I could get my own place, had my own kitchen, could buy my own food, all that stuff. And it sounds like this was successful because following your time at the University of Texas, you competed for several years as a triathlete and then you decided to join the Austin Fire Department. So what inspired you to become a firefighter? Yeah, yeah. No, you're right. So I, I can competed at a world-class level as a professional athlete for a decade, really 1987 to 1997. And after a decade of, of gallivanting all over the globe, swimming, biking, and running, it was time to retire the Speedo and the Schwinn bicycle and, uh, and, and my Nikes. I did so happily. I, I'd gotten that out of my system. And now it's like, so what's the next move? And I had some friends that were firefighters and just described to me how fantastic it was. And every shift was new and exciting and different. And it was like a big slumber party where, you know, you'd hang out, you'd make great meals together, and then you'd go out and do good deeds. And so I actually did a, uh, I went, you're allowed to actually, as a civilian, you're allowed to sign up and do what's called a ride out, where you can hang out for a day and go on these 911 calls and hang out at the firehouse. So I did that on two different occasions. And I was I was sold. You know, I love the environment. I love the culture. And so I was fortunate enough to get on in September of 1997 with the Austin Fire Department and adored it. So when you started, what was the food and health culture like at your firehouse? I know that meals um, can play a big part in the culture of a specific institution. What was it like for you? Oh, yeah. No, it's, it, it, well, it, it's huge. And especially in firehouses across the world, where, you know, you're, you're really, your bonding time, your, it's almost like your psychotherapy happens around the, the kitchen table. I would describe the, the food at firehouses as being very toxic. It is, oh, it's so insanely unhealthy. It's almost a competition to see who can eat the most fried food, the most unhealthy food. Um, and if you're not going to be part of the family and eat together and eat the same food, they can come down on you pretty hard. And when I first came out, I was, at, I was assigned to fire station one, 
which is considered the animal house of the fire stations in Austin Fire Department. It was an exciting station to come out and get a lot of experience. I was also part of the dive rescue team with my swimming background. I I loved that. But I can remember one of the, the veteran firefighters coming up to me. I think it was probably the second or third shift and saying, you know, the last vegetarian that came in here didn't even last three months. I'd be surprised if you last three weeks. And I just smiled and said, yeah, you're probably right. But I lasted five years there doing my thing. And I think I gained the respect of a lot of the firefighters there. You know, just to, to brag a little bit, I, I held almost every one of the physical fitness records at the fire department, whether it was the, the treadmill, you know, who can go up the fire tower, nine stories, the quickest, with all your firefighting gear on, carrying uh, about 50, 75 pounds with an air pack and hose and all that stuff. So they knew that what I was doing by eating a bunch of whole plant-based foods was not turning me into a shrinking violet. So before we continue, let's debunk some common myths about plant-based eating. So I've got four myths for you. I'll state the myth. Yes, you provide the debunking. Are you ready? Bring it. Okay, myth number one, you'll never get enough protein. So all protein originates from plants. It's the mother source of protein. It's where all the essential amino acids are actually uh, found and formed. And as human beings, we only need somewhere between 5 to 10% of our calories coming from protein. And when you look at the macronutrient profile of plants, whether it's beans, whether it's whole grains, whether it's bananas, what you'll find is that all these plant-based foods, if you look at the percentage of protein that's in each one of these, it's typically anywhere between on the low end 10%, and then the high end, upwards of 55% protein. So like, give you an example. White mushrooms by calories are 57% protein. Spinach is 51% protein. Kale, 35% protein. Broccoli, 35% protein. Broccoli has more protein than steak does. Most people don't know that. So you can't blow it with the protein. And in fact, the protein you're getting, it's a smarter, less clunky source of protein. It's a, so it's a more intelligent form of protein that doesn't come with all the baggage that you're going to get with, with chicken, with fish, with red meat. It doesn't come with the saturated fat. It doesn't come with the dietary cholesterol. And instead it comes with oh, so many amazing other things like fiber, like phytonutrients and antioxidants and the full complement of vitamins and minerals. So it's such a wonderful, complete uh, nutritional powerhouse of a package that you're getting and nobody that's eating this way will be hospitalized for kwashiorkor, which is the medical term for protein deficiency. Perfect. Okay, myth number two. You won't have enough energy to stay fit or do the job, or you'll be hungry all the time. Yeah, you know, anecdotally, I'll just share with you that I was able to feel myself as one of the top triathletes in this country for over a decade on the power of whole plant-based foods. And I didn't run out of steam. If anything, it gave me more energy. It allowed me to recover faster. It gave me an enhanced immune system. So I very, very rarely got sick. When you're fueling yourself with these foods that are so nutritious, that have all these, the complement of the micronutrients, the perfect balance of fat, protein, and carbohydrates, 
you're, you're going to hit a home run. Now, the limiting factor, if you are training for Ironman triathlons, is you got to make sure that you're bringing in enough calories. And so you just eat more of the calorie-dense plant-based foods. So you're going to do more of the nuts, more of the seeds. You'll do more of the, the whole grain pastas. You'll do more of the, the beans, the potatoes, all right, in addition to all the green leafies and the beets and the beet greens and the squashes and these things. And then the second part of that question I think you said was how it fills you up. And I will say that there is a break-in period with that because you don't feel like you have a cement ball in your stomach anymore, you know, that, like that bowling ball. And it's actually a nice feeling, and I'll speak specifically here to my firefighting brothers and sisters, when you finish eating and you don't feel like you have to take uh, a nap, pass out, and you're wishing that the tone doesn't go off because if you got to fight a fire right now, you're going to be puking in your mask. Just on the side, can you speak to how long that break-in period usually lasts for someone who's wanting to try this? I tell people to give it a good 28 days, a good month. Okay. Yeah, And I've got several different programs, as you probably know. You know I've got a seven-day program. I've got a 28-day program. Um, so find out whatever you know think is comfortable for you and your lifestyle and what makes sense, and then give it a go. Okay, myth number three. It's too expensive to eat plant-based or too complicated and time-consuming. You know, uh, for some reason, people think in order to eat ha- healthy, you have to go to Whole Foods and buy a red bell pepper that's organic for four ninety nine a pound. And that's just absolutely not true. You can do oatmeal, you can do beans, you can do bananas, potatoes, you can do frozen instead of doing fresh. It's just as healthy and, and just as ripe. But what I have found is that eating this way is typically about 75%, um, 25% less expensive than when you're buying animal products and meat and cheese and, and all that stuff. And you feel so much better doing it. Like anything that's new, you want to dive in and immerse yourself in this experience. You want to find two breakfasts that resonate with you, find three lunches and seven to eight dinners, and you're going to hit a home run because most people have no diversity in their diets. They eat the same breakfast. They're lucky if they eat a lunch that, that's worth a darn, and then they rotate around six dinners, They're really their whole lifetime. So once you open up the door to this, this world, you're going to find a vast cornucopia of delectability that you didn't even know was there. And then what was the third you said? Cheap, complicated, and? Just complicated and time-consuming. Time-consuming. So how long does it take to make a bowl of, of cereal with a, a sliced up, you know, banana and then throwing in some frozen blueberries? Nothing whatsoever. You know, you can do these, these oatmeals now where you do the, do the overnight oats. You just put them in a, in a little mason jar and they're ready the next morning. It takes you maybe a minute and a half, two minutes to prepare the night before. If you're really concerned about time, then buy frozen and then you don't have to cut or chop or mince or dice almost anything. The most I'll spend on any one meal typically during the week is 10, 15 minutes. And then on the weekends is when I don't mind making some of the lasagnas, the casseroles, uh, the enchilada dishes, the pizzas and stuff like that when you have a little bit more time and you enjoy it. But for all the firefighters that are out there, depending upon how busy your firehouse is, you've got the time, right? So why not spend time in the kitchen, like really creating some great masterpieces? It's fun. And that's what we did at Fire Station too, when we decided to, you know, tackle this head on back in, you know, 2002. 
Okay, last one, but certainly yeah. not least. Plant-based food doesn't taste good. Doesn't everybody out there like beans? Doesn't, don't people like brown rice, bell peppers? Uh, don't people like the taste of oranges and apples and bananas and watermelon and you know, roasted corn? I think, I think people do. So to me, that's just an excuse. It's an excuse that, you know what? Uh, I don't want to give up my steak or my burgers or my cheese. But once they understand how insidiously destructive these foods are and why they're really laying the groundwork for the dearth of chronic Western disease that's at America's doorstep, it makes it a little bit easier to, uh, to give those things up. And, and, and they're so loaded with salt and sugar and fat that hit all the receptors in our brain and they go off like a pinball machine. And, you know, it's like this dopamine hit. So we got to, we got to deprogram people to realize that, you know, the foods that you love, they don't love you back, not for one second. So you might want to take a hard look at some of these other foods that you, you may not love them as much as you love your crack, but you can learn to love them once you can wean yourself off these other things and they're going to love you back and they're going to give you the life you deserve when it comes to being healthy and fit. And for you firefighters out there, for being the best version of a firefighter that you can be, so you're also not a liability to your crew. So now that we've put those myths to rest, what was the turning point for your firehouse to stand with you and try a plant-based diet? One evening, we were sitting out on the porch on Fire Station 2, and we decided to have a little bet to see who was the healthiest. And we decided that a total cholesterol was a nice indicator of who potentially was healthier than, than the other. And so four of us took the engine the next morning. We drove down to a lab. We all got pricked and tested. And one of my firefighting brothers, uh, his cholesterol was 344 at the age of 33. And he had a family history of men in his family dying before the age of 50 from heart attacks and he was a self-proclaimed third-generation redneck because he said everything, whether it's breakfast, lunch, or dinner, has to have meat on it, and preferably it's deep-fried. These guys, they all knew about what I've been doing for the last six years that we'd, we'd been together because most of these guys had also been at Station 1 with me before we made the transition to 2. And they also had met my father. They'd heard my father you know, talk a little bit about this. So what happened is it was just the perfect moment in time for us as a crew at Fire Station 2 on the sea shift to start embracing this. And that's what we did. We started with lunches, making what are called the almighty burritos. And it was a whole grain crust. And inside there, we would do brown rice, black beans. And then we'd saute and put in mushrooms and onions. And then on top of that, We'd do some sort of a, like a red enchilada sauce or a green a verde sauce or something like that. And literally, that's what we did for lunch every time we came on shift for probably a good month or two. And then we started adding in dinners and then, and then breakfast the next morning because you know, we come in at noon and we get off the following shift at noon, following day at noon. So we're there 24 hours. So after a while, we were, we were all in. We were doing lunch when we came in, dinner, breakfast, and then lunch on the way out, which was usually leftovers from the dinner the night before. We made sure we made uh, a bunch of extras. But we got into this great routine where we would take turns as far as who would go and shop and buy all the, the different uh, ingredients 
And then together we'd all pitch in and we'd help, you know, chop and cut and dice and, and make the meals. So it really became another dimension that we could bond together as a firefighting crew at station two on the sea shaft. You know, it's funny now looking back on it because it's been, you know, we're, we're at 2020. So we're now looking back now close to 18 years when we first started this, but it was a, it was a really special moment in time. Wonderful to bond over taking care of each other and supporting each other in health. Like that just makes my heart <laughs> go pitter pat. <laughs> well, you know what? And, and that's a great point. And you know, how, how wonderful would it be if not only, you know, firehouses decided to do this, but almost every house in America decided to do that. Right. right. We, 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 I mean, we really, we'd be so much healthier as a country. So how did that competition turn out? Uh, what was the progression of the folks at your firehouse as they made this switch over to this different lifestyle? So the one individual that had the 344 uh, total cholesterol. Um, so this was probably after a couple months that we were doing this. Uh, and we, like, like I said, we started out with just lunches and then we progressed to lunches and dinners and breakfasts and lunches. Um, and then I challenged him to do this also at home. I said, you know, do this, do this for a month, do it for a month. And then let's, you know, and then go back to the, to the lab and get checked and let's see what you are. And so he did it. And he, after one month, he went back and his cholesterol dropped from 344 to 196. So it had dropped literally almost 150 points in less than a month. There was no, no, no drugs, no statins, you know, nothing like that. And he lost about 14 pounds and all the, all the intangibles. So sleeping better, more energy, you know, no more gastrointestinal distress. All those things really like vanish. Acid reflux that firefighters are notorious for, you know, especially when you're eating the way they eat. Uh, so those, that happened. And the other guys, all their cholesterol, we actually ended up buying a cholesterol testing kit where you could prick yourself and then check it at all. And we, we became, you know, we loved checking to see who had the lowest cholesterols and almost all of us dropped down below like 150 for our total cholesterols. We loved it. Yeah. So in the first season of your Plant Strong podcast, you follow the story of Bronx firefighter Joe Inga and his mission to take back his health with a plant-based diet. So unlike Engine 2, it sounds like Joe didn't and maybe still doesn't have the full support of his crew. So what advice would you give to first responders who are curious about trying plant-based but might not have the support of the rest of their team? Oh, I can 100% tell you they're not going to have the support of the rest of their team. They're not. Eating is so personal and at the same time, it can be so familial that when you decide that you're not on so the term that we had in the Austin Fire Department was, are you on the wagon? Are you off the wagon? And the wagon means, you know, are you going to be eating with us or not? And so it takes a lot of guts. It takes a lot of courage to basically say, you know what, uh, I, I'm off the wagon. Or, you know what, I'm on the wagon, but I'm only going to eat what I can eat that meets with this criteria. And what I would tell them is don't, don't, get, in, don't get into a, you know, an, an argument with all the other guys. You know, try and keep a low profile and what Joe Inga did was basically he would, he let them know that I met with my doctor and my doctor made it very, very clear that if I continued on the path that I was on, I was looking at 
insulin resistance, type 2 diabetes, you know, and then all the things that happen with type 2 diabetes. As we know, it's, you know, leads to blindness, amputation of limbs, kidney disease, increases your chance of heart disease tenfold. These are things that Joinga didn't want. So instead, you can say, hey, guys, you're right. Uh, I'm off the wagon. I'm trying this crazy, you know, plant, whole plant-based thing. If you haven't seen the Game Changers, watch the, watch the Game Changers. It'll give you a better understanding of it. But I would ask you guys not to sabotage me in my efforts and instead do your best to support a guy that wants to keep his job as a firefighter that's only looking to be healthy. And, you know, if, if you feel it, then say, you know, I, I love you guys and I want to be around for a long time. Don't, don't define me and don't judge me because of that. Instead, like judge me, all right, how well do I do this job? How much do I contribute to this firehouse? Judge me by that. This might be a bit of a self-fulfilling prophecy to ask this question, but do you see the plant-based movement gaining any traction in the fire service? Absolutely. I've been asked by fire departments all over the country to come to speak to them, to do either whether it's a one-day seminar, whether it's to you know basically let them use the, the Engine 2 seven-day rescue program protocol. I think that you know more and more firefighters are realizing that they live in a culture that is, is steeped in, it's steeped in unhealthiness. Most of these guys want to pride themselves on being fit, you know, superheroes, but the reality is they're medical time bombs and, and you can't help but gain weight and become obese when you're eating these calorie rich nutrient poor uh, foods and they don't have fiber they don't have the full complement of the micronutrients. And so you got to continue to eat more just to kind of like satiate your nutrient receptors in your stomach. And it's just, it's a no-win proposition. So you have no choice but to actually consume more calories than you're burning. I think that's one of the main reasons why, you know, most firefighters I have discovered gain between two to five pounds every year. So you take your typical 10-year firefighter, they've gained somewhere between 20 to 70 pounds in a decade on the fire service. All right? That's not, that's, that's not good. That's not mm-hmm. good. And it can be hard to make a change when you've been eating a certain way for a long time, and especially if it isn't just you. But do you have any tips for getting kids and families on board? I'll tell you this. To me, what's hard is taking the path of least resistance you're eating the way most Americans eat. And then you come down with that stroke. You have that heart attack. You come down with, you know, your first bout of cancer. That is hard. That is difficult. And I don't want that for anybody. So if hard means learning how to eat fruits and vegetables and whole grains and, you know, pizzas without cheese on it on a whole grain crust, uh, and um, fajitas where you're using tempeh and tofu and butternut squash instead of meat and making burgers out of black beans and brown rice and, you know, chipotle peppers instead of ground meat, then that's worth it. Okay. It's, it's, it's okay. That's okay. Cause the, all the benefits on the other end are so worth it. Embrace this as a family, like go into this with wide, with eyes wide open and go, okay, gang, we're doing this because 
We want to be good stewards of the planet. We want to be in alignment with our values where we don't want to contribute and be complicit in the killing of 70 billion animals worldwide every year. And you know what? We also are going to do everything we can in this household to make sure that we don't, when we're in our 50s or 60s, come down with a major cancer, a heart disease, stroke, diabetes that right now is plaguing this country. And the fact that 99% of people that are being hospitalized and are dying from COVID-19 have some sort of underlying comorbidity like heart disease, diabetes, cancer, or they are obese or overweight, like almost now 72% of this country. I think the crazy thing is, is that, you know, I, I, I saw Fauci uh, say that we can't open up this country because we're too sick, right? And if you have these underlying diseases, forget it. Well, think about it. If we were, if every one of us was eating a whole food plant-based diet and we didn't have these underlying diseases and we had this wonderful immune system, we could open up the economy, right? I mean, we wouldn't have 207,000 people now dead from COVID-19. So something to think about, food for thought. Absolutely. All right, changing gears slightly. It sounds like your mom, Anne, and your sister, Jane, are the real masterminds in the Plant Strong Kitchen. But I'm curious to know, what are some of your favorite things to cook? Well, rice and beans is always a staple. And I do a uh, brown rice, black beans, and then a a veggie medley on top with avocados, roasted corn, uh, water chestnuts, sliced tomatoes, uh, green onions, uh, and then, uh, and then usually a little bit of uh, low sodium tamari and then um, some salsa. That's just, I mean, I, I literally could eat those things, the sweet potatoes for, for, for lunch with beans and some greens, the, the rice and beans for dinner, the veggie medley, and then the steel cut oatmeal or the, the big bowl concoction for breakfast. I could do that for the rest of my life and be supremely healthy. And then during the day, I would be snacking on some sort of, typically it's fruits, it's it's plums or cherries or bananas or watermelon or honeydew. And I tell you what you do, you get these fruits and you immediately slice them up. You don't just have them sit there. You slice them up and then you put them in a Tupperware container in the refrigerator and now they're there and it's really easy to access them. So you want to take the decision-making out of the process so it's just kind of automatic for the people. And then I'd say my signature dish when I've got the time is um, is the Engine 2 sweet potato lasagna. It is phenomenal, and we crumble up tofu in there, all kinds of broccoli, cauliflower, uh, carrots, bell peppers, noodles, um, and on the top, we do a cashew, crushed cashews with diced Roma tomatoes on top that when they come out are just like um, pepperonis. It's kind of nutty. We I Also, another one of my favorites, because I've got, I've got three kids that are 6, 11, and 13. We love the, the macaroni and not cheese. And instead of doing cheese, we do a cashew, roasted red bell pepper, nutritional yeast, and lime juice concoction that you throw over the whole grain noodles. That's phenomenal. I love doing a, uh, a shepherd's pie. And instead of using meat, we use red lentils with potatoes. So yeah, those are just a few. Oh, 
That sounds absolutely delicious. It's actually getting on lunchtime here. So my <laughs> stomach is definitely rumbling now. Um, so we're about through with our questions, but I just wanted to ask if there's anything else you'd like to share with our listeners today. Yeah, you know, for all you firefighters out there, um, hopefully what I've done here is I've planted the seed and I would encourage you to give it a try. Open up your mind, try the, the, the seven-day rescue challenge. We have it online. You go to plantstrong.com. You can access it. It's all completely free. And uh, I think you'll be stunned and amazed at the results. And I would encourage you to get a baseline, baseline vital, set of vitals. So your weight, your blood pressure, and then your lipid panel. It has your cholesterol, your LDL, your HDL, and your triglycerides. And then do it again seven days later. And then you be the judge after that, moving forward, how much or how little you want to do it. But my bet is, is that uh, you'll be forever, forever changed in a positive way. So just think about it. Anybody can eat meat. It's easy. It's tasty. But it's not going to get you to the promised land. So... To me, a real man, a real woman will take a hard look at, at the data, the science, and then determine what's best for you, for your job, and then also for your family. Well, thank you so much for joining us. Your story is wonderful. I'm very inspired by it, and I've really enjoyed learning a lot more about why plant-based is so beneficial. You're so welcome. Anytime. Thank you very much. And thanks to all of you for tuning in. Stay safe out there, and until next time. For more information about our podcast and today's episode, visit our website at keythemike.org. That's key, the M-I-C dot O-R-G.